Stephen Birdman, if I'm understanding things correctly, you wanted to start a theater company and you said, you know what city needs another theater company is New York City. That takes a, a lot of what Shakespeare would call chutzpah. Am I right? Well, yes and no. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, now in its 16th year, number 790, New York Classical. Stephen Birdman is the founding artistic director of New York Classical Theater in New York City, a company whose mission is to create and reinvigorate audiences for the theater by presenting all free productions of popular classics and forgotten masterpieces in public spaces throughout New York City. These productions, as you'll hear, are fully professional, and Stephen began our conversation by telling me how the company started. So I didn't want to start a company. That's what's funny. I directed a play and the actors circled me at the end of the, the production run and said, you need to start a company. Based on what? Just because your energy, your, your cult of personality? They liked, uh, they liked how I took care of them. They liked uh, the show. They liked the artistic quality of the show. We did a, a Richard III and um, they were like, you need to start something. So I did. And why, and are you from New York? Why New York? No, I'm from Los Angeles originally. Um, moved to New York in my early 30s, uh, largely because I wanted to make a living in the theater, and only here can I make a living in the theater. Um, and, you know, I started freelancing around, but I did a show in New York, like I said, and, and um, all of a sudden I had a company. But it was, was not planned at all. I thought I was going to have a freelance career um, or hope to have a freelance career. But uh, so it's all worked out. <laughs> so within the 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 New York um landscape how did you carve out your own particular niche in a way that got you noticed and attention That's it that's a great question let me think um I did what I wanted to do That's really what it comes down to and people liked it I'm being very honest with you right now you know and I, and I tell, and I honestly, this is something I, I tell young artists all the time. I'm like, you know, you should do what you do. You do well. And if you're lucky, people like what you do. And I mean, it's, I'm not, you know, I, I am humbled that they like you, but I like watching my shows. I like, I, you know, every director should direct for themselves to show that they enjoy. And fortunately, I hit a nerve, you know, I mean, largely, um, we, we, okay, we can look at this like a little bit more analytically. So everything we do is free, New York, okay? There are free companies, but there are not free, regular free off-Broadway companies. Um, and so we attract a very kind of different demographic. Many of the people who see off-Broadway, but because we're in, we're in non-traditional venues, some people don't want to not have their plush seat and cocktail. Um, and the other people love the fact that they could roam around during the show and they could literally stand, watch the show standing or pacing. And that's, and that's something that's really, really appealing to a lot of people. And, um, it's also honestly for, uh, those who can't afford theater who are really priced out, even at the lowest level, 
this is free. They can come see professional people doing their, you know, plying their craft in uh, New York City in these wonderful landscapes that we have. So like I found niches, you know, my understanding, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, there was the public theater, the Delacorte, and then there was us. And, you know, I started showing up in 2000 and there was nobody else. Now there's another, a, a bunch of people who are doing this kind of thing, but really that was it um, in Central Park specifically. Right. There were other companies in other locations, but specifically in Central Park. And so is that the definition of, of I did what I like, I want to do theater for free, or was there an arti- an artistic description of what you want, what you Well, like there was an artistic, there is, there is. I came into theater late, relatively late. I didn't do any theater in high school, and I didn't discover theater until college, and I really didn't know I wanted to go professional to my senior year of college. So I felt like I wanted to give these, I wanted to give people the opportunity to experience what I did as a, you know, now it seems I was very young then, but you know, back then I seemed late to the, really late to the game. So why shouldn't other people experience this wonderful stuff as well, if they don't have access to it? So access became a huge thing for me and is a huge thing for New York classical. We, uh, every show we do is in a public venue. Every show we do is near public transportation. Um, easy to get to. We come to your neighborhood. You don't have to come to our neighborhood. We have shows in like five different neighborhoods. So you're a touring theater as well. We yes, we tour essentially in New York City. It's like kind of a micro tour, if you will. Right. And uh, we have like about we you know sometimes go up to about five different spaces in for each summer show, okay. um, and things like that. So you know we it's not like oh we have to be in this venue blah 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 you know we'll, we will like adapt and we will come to you so we love audience that can just walk to the show like literally like you're outside my building i hear you rehearsing we have got this all the time they love us they love it they're they're like oh yeah yeah we we hear you we know we know exactly who you are we recognize your voice so you did what you wanted to do but in some way you must have looked around at the new york landscape and went there's nobody else doing this to this extent yeah. There were some there was another company that, that is doing it, but not to the level of what I wanted to do it. Right. And not to the level that, you know, I am blessed. I'm a very blessed person because I have this humongo acting community in New York City, right? I don't have to worry about casting in the same way if I was a small company in a remote area and there was a limited number of people who could perform, then I would have to tailor, you know. I'm very lucky. New York is, is, you know, if not the, you know, I think LA is technically the biggest in the world as far, but we're number two or maybe number three. Um, you can argue with London as far as talent in, in, in is, is concerned. So we're able to attract really amazing talent um, who go all over the place, frankly, who work all over around the country and around the world. Um, but we can present this level of performance that, um, you can't find enough places. And and fundamentally, you they are professionals. You pay them. They do. They get pay. They get a weekly salary. They get pension. They get health care. Um, everything. There's nobody who's not paid. We pay everybody from the road from the run crew all the way to the actors. As a Los Angelino, was there ever a smidge of go of a thought of God? I would love to start a theater in L.A. I mean, I lived there for 15 years, and there is a theater community out there. It's just there is no, but there's no center <laughs> there. Well, okay, so let, let's go back a little bit further. I actually had a, uh, I was a partner in a theater company out there, and you know, a big night for us would be like 100 people. Yeah, 
you know, our largest single night was 1,200 people. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're, we, we average now about 175 to 250 a night. Um, it wasn't like, oh, my God, closing performance, it's 100 people. I mean, closing performance could be over 500 people, could be 800 people for us at this point. So it's, it's a very different, you know, set of calculus. I, and you know what? It's also the people in New York. They're, New Yorkers are here. People, look, New York's a really difficult town to live in. Let's just let's be very honest, right? It's super expensive. It's not the easiest place to get around for a non-New Yorker. You know, on and on and on and on and on. Why are you here? You're here because of what the city can give you. And one of the things the city can give you is live theater and live performance in general. So people are here to see this, right? Right. And that that I think that's that's a huge difference. So we are like, so people were like used to like, oh, theater is a regular part of my diet. In Los Angeles, it wasn't. Yeah. Theater, theater was this kind of offshoot, you know. And I have many colleagues who do some wonderful stuff in Los Angeles. And I'm thrilled for them, including we have artistic associates in who live in LA and who come to New York sometimes and could do a show with us. But you know, it's a different, it's a different vibe. LA is a, a film and TV town. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's one of the reasons we love living in Chicago so much is that, mm -hmm. you, and that's why I tell young people to go to Chicago who, who are just starting out, because it's an easier city to live in than New York. It has its challenges, obviously. But but you can also, like New York, you can get an audience here. People go to theater in Chicago the way the rest of the country goes to movies, and or you know, or or, or as we all did <laughs> in the before times, and hopefully will again. And I and I did a year in Chicago. I did a year in Chicago, actually. I did the uh, 89-90 season in Chicago. And actually, I quit theater for a, for a year. We drove you out. <laughs> well, um, I would say finances drove me out. Yeah. And um, it was because I couldn't afford to take somebody out on a date. That's what it came down to. I was like, I'm so broke. And I'm eating, you know, my ramen noodles or my pasta every single night. And, you know, fortunately, I was in my early 20s. It really didn't matter. But I left for a year, went to L.A., did some film and TV, did not like that at all, and then got into graduate school and the rest is history. So it's amazing how much the desire for a romantic partner leads to so many decisions about going into the Indeed, theater. it does. It does. <laughs> Rachel Dratch, and you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Where can you RSC the RSC? We're still the remote Shakespeare Company, unfortunately, going into our 23rd month because the Omicron variant spike caused us to postpone our performances in Michigan and Missouri last weekend. And it looks like we will now have to postpone our performances in Pennsylvania in a couple of weeks. Most of those performances will be rescheduled for this fall of 2022, so that's encouraging. Check out the touring page at our website, ReducedShakespeare.com, or our Twitter feed, at Reduced, for the latest information. And now back to my conversation with Stephen Birdman, the founding artistic director of New York Classical Theater, who was telling me about the book he's writing that's informed by the work he does with New York Classical. Well, I am I am in the process of writing a book on a performance theory or a perform a performance style, and I didn't I I knew this was what was organic again organic to me, and until recently, uh, 
actually a board member who's also a Shakespeare academic read it and said, oh no, this is a complete different performance style. This is as different as, you know, Stanislavski and Chekhov and Michael Chekhov and all those other styles. Uh, Brecht, I, I mean, I don't know, I, I wouldn't want to put my, my I, I don't have a, enough hubris to, to put myself with those folks, but it is it is a way of performing. It was it was designed initially as um, I was interested in how we can work in a public venue and an actor can still be heard without uh, audio enhancement, without a mic. Um, I feel that microphones are very distancing. We see them a lot, unfortunately, on Broadway stages. But the human voice has a, is a is a tremendous instrument, as you know. And I was interested, how, how can we compete, if you will? How can we compete with our environment? What we know, the outdoor white noise, especially in a metropolitan city like New York. Um, and and then frankly, we choose venues also depending upon sound. That's, that's a sure. big issue for us as well. Um, we don't want our actors yelling. We want our actors be able to do their work there and, and um, not feel that they're shortchanging their audience. Um, and that was the beginning of this. So it wasn't like I'm going into this consciously. How am I going to do this? You know, promenade style existed before. Yes, we perform promenade style. Environmental theater existed before. Yes, we are an environment. We are in, we produce environmentally uh, uh, in many ways. Not we are a very green theater too. Um, so we're very environmentally conscious. And um, but what 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 ended up happening is we created a whole different blocking form. We hold a completely different staging system, which I now have codified, and that's the that's the source of my book. So we call it Panorama Theater. Mm, I love that name. Thank you. I I was I was trying to articulate it, frame it in my mind as so it's not theater. It, it, it's not theater in the round. And I was saying, is it theater in the surround where the audience is in the middle, or not? Not exactly. I, I use I, the audience is in the same space, sharing the same space with the performance. At all times. Yes. So, for example, the actor is not going to walk out and say, you know, oh, it is morn when it's not morn at seven o'clock at night. We will change the script and say instead of good morn, good evening, which is a which also, you know, works out fine. It scans and, and things like that. So we'll make those adjustments as well. Even simply things like uh, there's a reference to a tree and we will change the name of the tree to make sure that the tree we're actually pointing at is that the actor saying the exact correct type of tree that they're pointing. That's so fascinating because in in a way that's very much like the the, the rule of comedy, which is tell the truth. That's exactly it. So, so like, exactly. So, yeah, and we are, we're always very truthful. I mean, what that does, it jumps in my head. What, one of the things we do because we're outdoors, we have something called a helicopter queue. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, I'll tell you about the helicopter queue and, and why it's actually funny is helicopters are in New York, right? There's helicopters will disturb performance. Um, and any loud sound, a fire, fire engine, uh, racing to an emergency, uh, the uh, EMTs, whatever it is. Uh, if the noise gets so loud, we pull in what's called the helicopter cue. The actor who's speaking looks up at the helicopter. And then the rest of the actors on the stage look up at the helicopter. And as soon as it starts going down in volume, like a laugh, like playing a laugh, the actor repeats the, the last line and, and goes right into it. So, and it, the audience, I will tell you, laughs every single time. Because it's about recognition of what is true in our space. 
it's like an actor dropping a prop and everybody afraid to change their blocking instead of just picking up the stupid prop and we're all focused on the prop. Yeah, you can't pretend it's not happening, so deal with it. That's correct. And the audience loves that. And the audience loves that. The other thing is, you know, we also rehearse outdoors. We also rehearse in the space. So people get a chance to watch us. We have hundreds, if not thousands of people who have, I mean, over the years, tens tens of thousands of people who have just watched us put these shows together over the years. But you're right. I mean, something goes wrong. Actors are brilliant, creative, on their feet people. They make it, they make things work. And you give them the freedom to do that, which I think is extraordinary. And that's not always a thing that actors are given. So now I'm 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 clicking into why all these actors said, "Would you Would you start a company? Because I want to work with you again." I get that now. Thank you. Thank you. No, no, it's fun. I mean, you know, it's it's like let's let's use let's instead of instead of imposing my vision. I'm not into the Uber marionette thing. Instead of imposing my vision onto this thing, let's work together and. Find what is organic. Stephen, what have been some of your greatest um, interruptions? <laughs> well, we didn't really get up too upset with this one. Um, uh, Barack Obama flew over our show once. Did he? So we, we yes, yes, yes. So we were in um, Battery Park, the Battery, which is the, the the very bottom of Manhattan, performing in this area. And uh, Obama, we knew, was actually speaking in New York or, or doing something in New York that day. And what happens is um, uh, there's two helicopters, right? So we don't. So no one knows which one the president is in. So there's always two. There's a dummy, and then the president's in one of the two. And what is very typical, we have learned over the years, is presidents leaving New York City will fly and like right by the Statue of Liberty. So fortunately, this location, Statue of Liberty, is actually the background of our finale, usually our finale spot, the actual Statue of Liberty. And lo and behold, we hear this (laughs) helicopter thing going on, and everybody looks up, and it's Obama, and everyone's like, that's fine. Thanks, Obama. That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, except for one more thing I'll share with you in about 60 seconds, so stick around. You can find out more information about New York Classical Theater by going to nyclassical.org. Then send us your performance theories via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com or throw a comment to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram or on our own actual website, reducedshakespeare.com or visit my website, theshakespeareans.com. Thanks, as always, to Chicago Classical, Matthew Croak, Web Services by Ginger Power Limited, Music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Katie Doe. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Classically Live from New York, Rachel Dratch. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. Please stay safe, get vaccinated, and keep your masks on. I'm Austin Titchener, 790 2370ths of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. Having lived myself in Los Angeles for 15 years, I, I know that it's got to be special for you to turn up that um, helicopter cue because that takes you right back to L.A. It does indeed. <laughs> it does indeed. It does indeed.
This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. 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 And so much less.